He's a two-time Elite Series winner, a 13-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier, the cruise missile, John Cruz, this week on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome, friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. Everybody welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast, known by my last name as Mercer. It is hump day. Happy hump day. Welcome back to the podcast that happens every single hump day at 6 o'clock. And sometimes we throw in extra episodes, and if you haven't seen it yet, you better check out the one we dropped last Friday, which uh, is the ultimate Jake's take. It's uh, Jake takes a... Well, watch it, and you'll you'll get it. If you haven't watched it, if you have watched it, um, hopefully you enjoyed some hilarity. And on top of that, you know who this week's guest is because I talk about it in one of my crazy little stories. Um, so if you haven't watched it, go back and check that out. Um, episode 54, this is on to 55. And as I said in that last episode, this week going to talk with John Cruz. John Cruz is... An incredibly accomplished elite series angler, but an incredibly accomplished business person, um, an advocate for autism. And the the coolest thing is he doesn't have a direct connection to it. um, And all the work that he's done with it is just amazing. And um, this should be a fun chat. So um, without further ado, let's welcome in 13-time classic qualifier and... John Cruz, I have wanted to have you on for a long time, and, and I'm glad we're having you on. I mean, this was the most fitting month to have you on for everything you do for autism awareness. Um, but I've wanted to have you on for a while. I mean, that you you are a voice in the industry in, in many ways, not just an angler, not just a winner, but also a, a business owner and a philanthropist, I guess, with your work through autism. Does, does that sound good or does it just make me sound It drunk? sounds great. It, sound, it makes me sound smart, Dave. I love it, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, looking forward to it. I know your audience is continuing to grow uh, with this because you tell great stories and you have good guests on. So uh, like you had Big Jake on last week. That was uh, he's uh, he's a good dude and uh, he's got a cool story just himself. Yeah. No, Jake said. That's one of the cool things about this podcast, you know, is we've really, you know, a lot of podcasts talk about how many strands in a spinnerbait you need to win and that sort of thing. We stay away from fishing information as much as possible and just bring it right down to the lowest common denominator and talk about pooping and puking and people seem to like it and, and showing how professional I am. Right after I stole the story about puking, almost puking on stage, it involved you. And right away, I bring you on as a guest. Is that oh, man. the best That's lead That's a nice in, segue. It, it really was. That's professional, Dave. Did you know? I've told you that story, right? You, you, since. And, yes. Or did you know? You didn't know I was sick, I'm assuming. I did not after. know you were. I didn't know you were sick. No, I did not. Yeah, well. I'm glad you said that because you would have been a total jackass if you were like, I knew you were sick. I just wanted to get that selfie of you right before you puked. <laughs> I, would, I, I may have stalled. I may or may not have stalled even more. Just saying. <laughs> Stalling is not something you do in your life, dude. You, you, um, every time I talk to you, I feel like I need to apologize because my life seems so much 
less organized, but everything you do in your life, honestly, to compete in the elite series and then to compete, you know, in the industry, as far as a, a, one of the fastest growing bait companies in the last 10 years, I'd say with missile baits, it, does it ever become a nightmare for you? Um, there's, there's times where it, uh, it just, it gets to be a lot, you know, um, but it, it makes me manage my time a lot better and plan ahead a lot better. You know, like here we are in April and I'm, I'm planning out the details of, of ICAST for, for missile baits, log all the logistics, exactly who's going. I mean, I had the, I had the condo rented, you know, months ago. So, uh, but the, but as far as like all the little logistics and, you know, I'm, uh, you know, between now and fork, I want to finalize all of the booth stuff and get that stuff, get everything that we need to have ordered. I want to get all that ordered and get, so I don't have to worry about it. Once we get closer, we're not, you know, down to the last minute. I want to, and I want to build the booth, you know, like a month before we go. And, you know, it just makes me plan everything, you know, having all this stuff going on at one time, like this coming weekend, I'm going to be getting all my tackle ready for, for work. But that's forks not for another month. But I'm gonna. I, I got it. I don't have time really to do it otherwise. So I, I've got to do it. That you know, this coming weekend. But uh, but it's you know, it's good. It makes me manage my time better. And um, yeah, it's 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 all good, man. I love it. Ten years into Missile Bates, is this exactly kind of what you imagined, or is it a much bigger company than you imagined, or or, or is it what's your? Take I, I didn't on? know. Yeah, I didn't know kind of exactly how how big we would grow and how but we grew really fast, really quick. And yeah. then we've just had nice steady growth uh, kind of ever since. And just you know, and early on with missile, I thought that I knew a lot about the fishing industry. And then all you have to do is start a company in the fishing industry. And then you realize you don't know as much as you thought you did. And then you have to learn it as you go, but that's fine. You know, being a, being an angler on the elite series, it has opened so many doors, you know, just calling buyers at a distributor and, you know, Hey, this is John Cruz. Oh, Hey John, how's it going? I mean, like right off the bat, they knew who I was. I wasn't some, you know, dude in my basement starting a, a lure company to where you're like, Oh, I don't know who the hell you are. Uh, it just, it just opened up the door to where I could get people on the phone or I could uh, get my foot in the door with them in order to ask them questions to help learn that, that paid out, you know, paid off tremendously, especially early on. And, and even, even ever since then, you know, just having that, um, the notoriety of the, of the fishing side really helped the, the missile baits side, uh, as, as well. But I didn't, I didn't really know exactly how big we would get, you know, and, and once a company starts growing, there's a different set of experience and skill that you need in order to, continue to make your business grow, if that makes any sense. So there's one thing to be able to get your business off the ground. Then there's another like set of skills that helps grow an existing business to, to be able to continue to grow it. Uh, and then, and it, so being able to navigate that with having enough capital for new products, but having enough capital to keep your inventory going and then keeping your business going, it's, it, it, there's a lot to, uh, to it. And I didn't, I didn't know it. And I just, I've really enjoyed that part of almost like relearning how to run a business um, because the existing business needs to grow and you have to, you have to fuel it in order to, to grow it. 
do you ever get stuck thinking, I mean, man, if I just focused, you're tremendously successful in the elite series, tremendously successful at, at missile baits, but do you ever find yourself questioning, you know, if I just focused on one of these, how much better could I be at that? Yeah, I think yes, in some respects, but no, in, in other respects, because they, they complement each other very well. And I didn't realize to what extent that they complemented each other. If I wasn't out competing on the elite series, then I wouldn't know, you know, like what kind of new baits that we need to be designing because I would be stuck in an office all the time and I might get to fish, you know, 30, 40 days a year at most. And I wouldn't, I, you know, like now I probably fish 80, 90 days a year on, on the world's biggest stage. And I'm rooming with guys from different parts of the country. And then I'm friends with guys from different parts of the country. And they have access to different groups of anglers that know information. And that the information that you learn on the pro level is exponential versus yeah. the, the type of information you learn on the local level. You, you can absolutely become a better angler fishing local events, but your learning curve is going to be slower than what it is when you get to the national level or even the regional level to where you're getting access to to anglers, good anglers from from all over. And then you start talking and you you realize and you see what they're doing and then you see what's on their deck. Then you ask them about it. And and most decent people that are anglers will tell you what, you know, information. Just like if people ask me, I'll tell them. So you have these these really cool, fun conversations in and around the the elite series and you know the top level pro tournaments to where your learning curve and what you know as an angler is great so learning all that stuff helps me design better baits and know kind of where what direction we need to go from from an angler standpoint and then vice versa um there's a different group of people that you talk fishing with when you own a fishing lure business so i go to these distributor shows I'm talking to dealers from all over the country for the whole, the whole time. And, you know, they'll tell me, Hey, have you used this lure? Hey, have you tried this crankbait? It's really good. You know, we can't keep them in stock. And the last three tournaments just got one on it. Okay. Well that's in, you know, East Tennessee or wherever it is. So that's not information you can just scour the internet and find that's information that you don't get, you know, just fishing one tournament trail or a couple tournament trails. That's the only information you get by owning a fishing lure company and fishing to kind of understand what they're saying. And then it's just kind of a unique perspective. I feel like for me, because a lot of these places I have fished, so if I have not fished their local lake, I probably fished somewhere close to them. Um, and, you know, so people are like, Oh yeah, we're from Mississippi. Like, Oh yeah. I fished a couple of tournaments on Ross Barnett. You're like, Oh yeah. Well, Ross Barnett, this, uh, this bluegill color has been killing them. You know, just all this data and all this you know, stuff that you, that you hear, it just keeps keeps your brain cranking in fishing mode all the time. So that, that's why when I say they complement each other very well, that, that's what I mean by it. Yeah, no, I, I could see how they would complement each other. But I mean, I, I just don't know how you stay on top of it. Like when a tournament's done and everybody else is recovering or moving to the next one, you have, I mean, dude, I have sponsors calling me now about iCast. I'm like, how can you even be thinking about iCast? It's months from now. You've already booked right. a room. And and I'm just, I'm just have to show up there to. Right. How do you stay that organized? Or is that just always the way you've been your entire life? Um, well, so early on when I was in um, like high school. Yeah. I figured out that 
when like you know because I play I played three sports in high school a lot a lot of playing sports and so during the sports season you, you don't have time like you, you know you go to school you get out go to practice get out you go home you eat dinner you have like 45 minutes to get all your homework done and then take a shower and then do a few other things and then you're going to bed like you don't have time to do stuff so your time management is kind of set for for itself so now outside of the these sports seasons, I struggled with school because I did, I, I didn't know how to manage my time. And I was, I, I figured that out probably like my junior or senior year. And I just, cause I would come home. I was like, oh, I'll do that homework later. And next thing you know, it's bedtime. You're like, Oh crap. I didn't do it. And then I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'll do it some other time, maybe before class, hopefully quickly. And, I just wasn't prepared and, you know, like my time management skills were terrible. And then, I, so luckily I kind of had that understanding of myself. And then when I went to college, I, I figured I, I managed my time much better. And I've kind of been like that ever since. Is it, if the more stuff I have going on, the more strict you have to be with your time management. So having the elite series and, and then the missile base thing are, uh, are good for me. And then, you know, with the family and the kids, that's where you got to have priorities in your life because, you know, families is always number one and you can't, you can't get that confused. Uh, And they understand that you have, you know, like time frame wise, you have to go to the tournaments on X, Y, Z day or you're not going to do well. So you have to go on certain days and they understand that. But outside of that, I mean, they're, they're always the number one priority and, when you have a lot of stuff going on in your life, I feel like priorities are a really good way to help you with your time management. Did your recent victory earlier this year, did that, did that change anything in your thinking? Did that prove anything to you or did that, is that just you expect to win a certain amount of events? You'll have a certain amount of opportunities and every once in a while it'll work out. Well, it took me a a number of years before I won my first elite series event and then to have 12 years pass by before you win the second one, it was getting to a point where it's like, you're thinking, am I ever going to win a second yeah. one? Yeah. It just, it just is my, is my fishing style not conducive for wins? You know, you, you start thinking all these different things. So the, it, it was big for me mentally to know that things that I can, I can win, I can win another tournament. That's not a, it, it can happen. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. So ever since then, I was just, I've been focused on not sucking. And, and I feel like I have sucked ever since I won. I just, I don't feel like I've gotten any real, I mean, I did catch a nine pounder in the last tournament. I haven't gotten any real breaks. But what I mean by breaks is like from a fisherman's perspective, a tournament perspective, you, I feel like there, a lot of times there's one bite yeah. That gives you the break that you need to, to clue you in on what you really need to be doing, whether it's an area or it's a type of presentation or that the, what you're doing. I feel like I, I never have quite got that. I feel, I feel like I fished well ever since the win, but I feel like I have not quite had that one break to where like oh, the light bulbs off. I got it. I see it now. They're on the ends of the points, but on the inside edge, and I can just run that, and then all of a sudden you have the top ten. I haven't quite had that 
but I, I was like, okay, maybe I used them all up in four days <laughs> for a little period. So maybe it'll, I just feel like it'll come back. And I, I always feel like that whatever your career average is, if you fished more than like 20 events or something, you, whatever your career average is, you'll eventually come back to that. Unless you have something catastrophic going on in your life and your head is just totally yeah. up your butt. I mean, you, you, if you're, if you're nothing's going on, you're just fishing, you will come back to who you are as an, as an angler. How often do you get those breaks in tournaments and it's just too late? You, you know what I mean? Like do, 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 does that oh, sign yeah. often come, you know, at the tail end of day two and, and you're this yep. close to making it day three? Yeah, absolutely. That definitely, that definitely happens, but I don't, I don't mind it as long as it comes at some point where you can capitalize on it a little bit and kind of help yourself out in the standings. Um, you know, it's kind of, kind of interesting. I've known, uh, Ed Lockran and now we're rooming together, but I've known him since I was 15. So I've known him for, you know, whatever, you know, 25 years plus. And Ed, I told him when he first got to the elite series, I, I told him, actually, I told him multiple times. I said, Ed, every single bite that you get every single day that you fish on the elite series matters. He, he, he kind of, it's like, what? I said, I'm telling you, dude, you'll realize it. You'll look at the end of the year, you'll look back and you'll be like, damn, if I don't only got that four pounder in the boat, or I kind of just totally flubbed up that three and a half, but I would have called out a pound and a half for, and it would give me 30 more points. And I like, you can go back every, every year. And, and unless you win angler of the year, you can go back every year and say, man, I should have done that. Or man, I, that was my fault. And I should, oh, oh my drag loosened up or, whatever it was like you'll there'll be something that a lot of times it's your fault that really eats at you at the end of the year and i said so just remember that and his the first bite he got on the first day of his first elite series event he lost lost like a two and three quarter pounder he only weighed four fish that day and and it cost him making a check versus not making a check it cost him like 20 or 30 points or whatever it was and he told me he's like dude you told me and then it hit me like a damn brick, you know, in this first event. And so he's kind of fished with that mentality ever, ever since. And, but that's, that's how it is. That's part, but that's part of the elite series that I love is that you have to pay attention. You have to be focused every minute, every bite for the entire time, because it, it's, it's a long season and you don't always get like, you know, nine pound bites. Like I got at Chickamauga. Yeah. And from sitting back and watching it, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I, I tell people that all the time when they're like, what is the difference between an elite series pro and an average tournament fisherman? And I'm like, it's everything's different. If you ask me, like the more I stare at you guys, every little nuance is taken care of as far as, you know, dialing in everything, whether it be electronics, yep. whether it be just the amount of time you take, changing line out just it's like every detail and yeah. the person that can focus the most um to me is the most dominant angler in a lot of ways because you do see anglers out there that lose their focus you know what i mean you can see the way they interact Absolutely. with people but but it's it, you need to be dialed in and i feel like you can get away with a lot at a lot of places but every one of those little weaknesses gets exposed on the elite series in time. It might not have initially, but in time, all those weaknesses, right. if somebody has a weakness, it gets exposed. And there's another weakness that I've seen called work ethic. 
some guys, if they don't, if they don't put, if they don't put in the time, like you were just talking about it, making sure every single detail is covered. Eventually it will catch up to them. Eventually it catches up to them. If they don't, you know, if they don't practice, if they practice till four o'clock every day and they, and then everybody else in the tournaments for the most part practicing until dark, it will catch up with you. You're, you're leaving eight, 10, 12 hours over the course of three days you're of not just not fishing when everybody else is like they're out, you're getting outworked. Like that, that's the one that you like, I will never get outworked. Um, it just, it's just, that's just poor planning, you know, and, and effort right there. So that, that's just another big part of it. You know, the elite series, there's a couple common threads as far as elite series anglers. It, Cause I get asked the same thing. Like what makes them different? Number one, they, it's probably the, it's the most diverse group of people that have an amazing attention to detail Yeah, in very, in different ways. I'm th- like, you, you look at Matt Robertson, you're like, dude, I mean, seriously, the hair and the whole outfit and everything. And he, he'll tell he'd be like, dude, it was uh, yesterday morning. Uh, there was six more leaves on that tree over there. And now they're all blooming. Uh, and there's like four, to, you know, so like, th- dude, they'll just tell you the most minute details about observations of their surroundings that you would never normally realize uh, that is like one common denominator I see with the elite series guys and the guys that make it on the elite series are a hard, hard working group of, of people. They work their butt off uh, a lot of time on the water. You know, a lot of guys go and do pre-fishing just because they want to do go over the top with their preparation. So th- like the, the hard working and, and just attention to detail Everything else is kind of like it's, it, everybody's who they are. Everybody's got individual characteristics and all that. But those are the two common denominators I see across the board. Is the Elite Series any different, in your opinion, today than it was five years ago? Uh, I mean, before the before the divorce, uh, it, it really was getting to be on the angler side, almost like a toxic work environment. And, you know, company, you know, sports teams go through this, uh, companies go through this, uh, you know, whether, whether it's, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm talking like large corporations yeah, yeah, go through this yeah. stuff, like, uh, for GE, whatever, they have these toxic environments and, and it, it, it gets to be to where it's, it's never, it's not fun anymore to do whatever it is. And, and I felt like that's where the anglers had gotten, not necessarily like on purpose. And, and I don't think any company or, or sports team or whatever does that on purpose either. But, you know, like you just, a couple of negative attitudes get contagious and then they, they start spreading around. And that's, and, and I really feel like that was the whole cause for, for the spread. Well, when, whenever you have the a new group of people come in, just like with sports teams, when they flush out a bunch of those uh, bad eggs, so to speak, and bring in a new group, oh, we, every, everything's new again, and you and it's new and vibrant, and, and that's and that's kind of how I feel like the elite series was right after right after the split for the first couple years. Yeah, and and I feel like we like that toxicity level is is definitely tapered off like it's come up and then it's tapered down and up and down and you know like a couple a couple of us guys that have been around for a while myself matt heron um 
um, and, and even Zaldane, we, 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 t- we talk about that. Uh, we talk about like, look, we're not going to let negative energy ever get back into the elite series if, if we can help it. And so that's why we, we consciously, you know, talk about it to make sure that that does not happen again. Nothing's ever perfect. I mean, no. grass is never perfect. We're never perfect. And you got to accept that part of it. But the negative energy uh, and, and if people have a, a grudge, oh, let's address it. Let's talk about it and let's work through it. And, and, you know, I feel like that we have been really able to do that in the last couple of years very well. And I, I think that's the biggest difference is that is the energy level, the competition level. It's the, the names have changed, but the competition has not. It is. I mean, the dudes we have on there now are our hammers, our hammers. And, and now we're back to the point where we're calling out anglers at the bottom and bringing in new blood. Uh, and so every year we'll bring in some good new blood. I mean, we've got some really good, uh, you know, last year we had Tracener come in. I mean, he's just, he's proven to be steady Eddie, just catching them everywhere he goes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of new blood that's coming in. That's, that's really good, really good. And, and I think it's important to look at two different ways. I mean, cause I've heard from people, well, you know, it's not, it's not quite as friendly and happy go lucky around here anymore. And it's not going to be because I mean, it was really friendly and happy go lucky for a few years when nobody was getting cut and almost everybody right. was getting paid. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it, to stay right. at the top level of anything, it, comfort is probably not a word you want to get accustomed to, is it? Yeah. I mean, if you're in major league baseball, you got, there's a whole league of minor league players looking to take your place. So it ain't, it ain't going to get comfortable. I mean, those dudes, they, they are constantly working to keep their seat at the table at the top level. And that's, that's how we should feel. Um, but if, if somebody is not, you know, having a good time or, or feel like people are out to get them to me, that's on that. I feel like that's on them. There's, there is a, there is a great level of camaraderie on the elite series right yeah. now. Uh, I mean, there, I have, I'm really good friends with a lot of the guys that are, that are out there. I mean, I would love to go sip a bourbon with, you know, about any of the guys on tour. They're just, a, it's a really good group of dudes. And I, I, you know, you hear it like almost every tournament when you fish, we're fishing. I mean, we'll fish right around each other, you know, I mean like 20 feet from them. Hey man, you doing any good? Oh, I got three. Cool. You got, you know, you need bigger ones. No. Okay. Yeah. Like we're just talking like there's no big deal. And they're, and they're like, man, I, do y'all really just talk like that? I mean, he just kind of came right in. I'm like, well, yeah, he, I guess he wanted to fish that point. And that's no big deal. Cause I was, you know, I wasn't on it and you know, and I was going to fit hit the back of this pocket anyway. And I'll just hit that. And I'll come out and hit that point. They're just like blown away that we have this camaraderie. I'm like, dude, like, I know his kids. Like I yeah. watched him grow up and they're really nice people and he's not going to do anything to me to be mean. Like it's, he's, he just wanted to fish the damn point and I wasn't on it. So, you know, he come in, I'm like, yeah, go for it, man. It's all good. Who's the most frustrating for you to compete against? Like if you had to pick some, somebody's name out and be like, that, that, is it Matt Robertson? Because he it acts like he's, there's no connection to anything. <laughs> he can win a spelling bee though yeah um, incredible speller incredible speller <laughs> that fun fact um 
yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's hard to, that's hard to say. I mean, most of the guys are so nice. I mean, after the, you know, your first day, everything's open and that's kind of how, what everybody understands. Yeah. I feel like, is it the first day of the tournament, everything's wide open. You can't really claim anything, but I, there's a lot of respect that get, that everybody has for each other. I feel like at the elite series, this you now when guys are doing well, like, dude, you're in third, man, go ahead. Nah, you go ahead. Just fish whatever you want to first off. You know, I'm in, I, I, I'm right on the check line, man. Just go for it. it like a lot of, when, when we went to Rodman on at the St. John's, I was leading after the first day. We go to lock up there the second day and I'm up, up near the front. And I was like, you know, I was like, cause Bernie was the first one out of the lock the first day. I mean, he was like, you know, pushing the lock open. And so he gets up there the next day and it's him and Drew Cook and, and I was like, y'all, y'all go ahead. And they're like, no, no, you're leading. Go ahead, man. It's, it's no go. You're leading, man. Just go wherever you want. Like, I mean, everybody in the lock was basically just like, dude, you're leading. Just go wherever you want to. And then we'll, we'll fish wherever we, we want. Just like that. That's just the, the type of camaraderie. A lot of people don't see on the elite series. And I, I just, I love it. And I, I think I, we, just, we have a really good group of guys out there right now. Yeah, but just because they're a good guy doesn't mean that they're not frustrating to compete against. I would think that, like, well, that's true. Jason Christie winning one of every twelve elite series or Bassmaster events he's ever entered, I would find that frustrating as a competitor. No, um, I, I guess it would. It should be, but I hardly ever see him. We must have totally different styles or something. He's one of those dudes. I, I just hardly ever see him on the water no matter what. So if he wins a tournament, it's, it's usually on fish. I'm not catching anyway. Uh, I can't be, I can't be too mad. He's just, he has really got a knack for, for winning events. I don't know what? how else to explain it. And is that something, you know, when you look at 12 years between your two wins and yeah. I mean, dude, I am not besmirching your two wins. I mean, to, to yeah. win one elite series event is incredible to win two. Uh, isn't is even more incredible and puts you in a very rare group. But it's two more than Swindle and uh, Schultz. Oh, <laughs> they, they wouldn't like you to bring that up. But <laughs> I mean, and th- but my point is, they're That's two smart. very yeah. accomplished anglers. I mean, they've both made a bunch of classics. They've both been around for a long time. Like people are like, oh, Bernie's not catching them that good. He's not close to getting cut from the Elite Series. Like you know, it's like. Is you're like, oh, he's not doing that. No, 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 no. He's very, still very consistent and catches fish most every event. Like he's still a good fisherman. So it's, uh, yeah, but those guys have not won too. Um, so I just feel like sometimes there's a, there's a fine line between being stubborn and then committing to what you know has got a good chance to win an event. There's a, there's, there's a fine line there. I mean, you, you can kind of see, Christy occasionally will take a total dump in an event and finish like 80th. Yeah. Or 90th. Quite, quite regularly. Really. He has, but he admits it. He's very up and down. If you look at his yep. standings, but th- I think that's more of a characteristic of a, of a, a person that wins more events is that occasionally they'll have the Schmidt is the same way. Brian Schmidt is the same way. He do. He has won a ton of events over his career. But there are times, like when we were at Santee, he just totally bombs. I mean, he kind of bombed at the uh, 
at the last one at Chickamauga, but, but Schmidt, he may turn around and win the next one and finish third. And then the one after that, like he is very royal, but he commits to something and he, like he, he samples everything. And then when he's like, I think this is my best chance to win a tournament. And he kind of commits to trying to figure out that and make it work to whereas like me, me and I'm the reason I say Bernie and, and swindle, I feel like we're more of a similar, we're more similar anglers into where if something doesn't work for like an hour, bro, I'm, 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 I'm going to go over and hit that bluff wall and see if I can't catch a couple keepers. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to go down there and hit them docks and throw a crankbait around them because I had caught one like that in practice. And if that doesn't work, maybe I'll pick up a drop shot and try that point over there next to it. Like just, I want to just fish what's in front of me until I start catching something. So even though I'm in a tournament, like I don't, so that, that I feel like helps me make more classics. I mean, Swindle seems to make every damn, about every class, yeah. classic every year because he's a versatile guy, but that same versatility can screw you over from winning tournaments because you don't commit to something that you probably should, if that makes any sense. Makes sense. I think you're incredibly versatile. When when you're just listening to you talk about Brian Schmidt and Ed Lochran, two guys who you room with now, I believe, yeah. you used to room with Ish and Ike. Yep. I mean, yep. it really doesn't feel like there's much of a pattern between those people, or is there a side of Ed Lochran and Brian Schmidt that I have not seen, and uh, it's very Ish and Ike-esque? Uh, they're all very good people, but they're you are 100% correct. <laughs> they are all four very different individual people um yeah i mean i i, I loved rumor with ish and uh, I, I mean i hope he comes back and requalifies for the for the elites i just i miss him I, I we still talk once a week or every other week or whatever and um you know like i'm his biggest fan and he's my biggest fan we always text each other when we're fishing events and stuff but um you know ike ike's got so much stuff. he's like you think i got a lot of stuff going on man he's got just tons of stuff going on and and he and i both almost agree that when you go to the tournaments and start fishing, you really kind of unplug from all that stuff. And, it, and it's like, a, um, it recharges your batteries to when you go home and get back in the office and you get back to having two screens in front of you and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it just, it recharges your batteries when you get to go and just kind of unplug. And all you think about is how to catch your bass for a week. And, and then you drive home and think about why you wish you could have caught more bass. And then, you come back and you know you're ready to kind of get get this going again. But you, yeah, there a lot of different different personalities in that in that group. Yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. And I and I and I really like all four of those those yes. folks. I mean, they're great people, uh, but very very different. Um, do you watch live after a bad one? Because it's kind of all over the board. You got some anglers who don't. And some anglers that are like, yes, I study everything and what I missed and that sort of thing. Where are you at with that? One, maybe one out of every like three or four tournaments that I'll, I'll watch live uh, going home. Sometimes I'm so mad about the whole event that I just, I keep replaying everything that I did and you know, trying to learn from my own mistakes that I feel like uh, in the event. And, and the re I, and I don't, I usually don't go back and watch old event. Like if we're going to the St. Lawrence, you know, and I've just the last handful of times I've totally sucked up there, but I don't feel like I'm going to go watch where those guys fished last year or two years ago when we fished out of Clayton, I'm not going to go watch that 
and try to duplicate that. I'm like, I'm a huge proponent that places change every time. I don't care if you go, if we, if we went there the exact same week, um, two years ago, it's still going to be different. Like the grass and the, some of the shallows are going to be different. Um, these sm- smallmouth are notoriously nomadic. Um, like w- one, a sample of one week doesn't tell me enough to be able to like, okay, these are the five, six, eight, ten areas that I need to look to find out where that really big school of smallmouth is. So I don't put like all of my eggs in like what happened at one week. I've just I've been doing it for so long. I've seen that come back and roast guys. Um, I know other guys who are like, yeah, I went. And, and a lot of times you like, <laughs> it, like wherever, wherever Taku was fishing, I promise you I could run from Clayton down to Shamo and I'll see wherever Taku was fishing because there'll probably be like five boats on it. And, that, and so that's probably going to be screwed. And if it's any good, they're all going to, it's going to be a, a party of there anyway. So I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I try to, to fish fresh. I might, I like listening to how guys caught them and what they talk about as far as w- how the fish were biting, what kind of stuff they were on, why they, wh- why they thought they were sitting there, what, the, what depth range were they in. Like uh, that's information I want to know as far as like exact locations and too much specifics. I don't, I don't want, I don't even want to know about it. Don't want to know. So you lock it all out. I, 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 don't you ever fear that there's something that I, I don't know about that's happening and I'm not going to learn about it. Are you, that's you're too involved in the industry for that to happen. No, I mean, if there's something that's going down, I want to, I want it to come, I want to figure it out organically, so to speak. Um, I, I don't know. I, that's kind of the way I, I feel about it. Now it's, it's funny because Ed is more of a student of the game. Like he watches a lot of live, even the old stuff because he, he always is trying to learn, but you got to remember he's in a courtroom or reading law documents and filing briefings and stuff like all like during the normal part of the day. So he doesn't really, unless he's calling a friend of his and talking fishing, he doesn't have access to fishing once he leaves a tournament. So like, that's kind of his only access to factual good fishing information to whereas, I mean, I'm talking with, you know, like Mark, our warehouse manager, good fisherman. I mean, Andy, uh, Thomason, who's fishing the opens. He, he works in here part-time. Like we talk, we talk, you know, Alex, our inventory specialist, he is diehard. Do he fished that James river open as a co-angler then came back and fished the tournament on Saturday at Smith mountain and then just went fun fishing on Sunday. So there's a lot of fishing talk just in the office, much less the dealers and everything else. So I'm, I'm constantly in the, in the fishing mentality. So I, that's part of the reason I don't like getting on, the live is because it just, I don't know. It feels like, I feel like it gets jumbled up. Uh, and then, and then I hate recreating somebody else's trying to recreate somebody else's success. If that makes any sense. It's weird because you hear it so much. You hear people say, Oh, don't listen to doc talk and do your own thing and everything. But it is insane in the way that like people do that, but it's, it doesn't matter how many, what year, of Elite Series Pro come in, whether it be your rookie class, however many years that goal that was, yeah. or today's rookie class, it's like almost nobody listens to it. Like a year later, you hear from them right. all, and they're like, I'm not listening to Doc Talk. I'm fishing my own way. Why is that so hard to block out? Because everybody talks about it, but it 
people aren't able to block it out for whatever reason. Um, it's, I always tell people like a lot of, especially a lot of younger people that are just kind of getting into it. It's like, man, it's really, really, really hard to catch other people's fish. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. I don't want to know. I really don't really care to know where you're fishing, but like if the lower end of the lake's got nothing but grass and the upper end, the lake's got none. That's information I would like to know. But you're like, man, you need to go to this one waypoint. Like, dude, get it. I don't know. We're done now. We're done talking. When you, when you said waypoint, we're done. I want to know what depth range, uh, what, what type of cover are you looking for? Uh, is there, is there the, what, like that's information that's, that's pertinent and good for me to, to listen to and to know. And most people on the dock per se dock talk, that's not what they're like, man, I caught them on a June bug, purple flake lizard. That's the deal. Like, dude, you told, you just told me nothing. Like you, you, you just, you might as well have not even told me that you caught 42 fish on this lizard. I don't care. But if you said, dude, you check out them secondary points, the ones with gravel on them, that's where they're like, boom, I, I'll figure out how to catch them. You just told me like, Oh, I've seen that. They must be post-spawn because they're on the secondary points with gravel. Mm, interesting. Okay. I, I'll, I'll figure that out. And then I can, and then like, that's, that's good information. But I mean, with the elite series, we, we can't get any local information, but this is the type of information that we like tend to share within our household, you know, yeah. as far as like the roommates and stuff like, dude, little gravel point secondary. That's, you might want to like, okay, ooh, ooh, okay, good information. Thanks. You know, and uh, like, that's what we, you know, me and Ike and Ish, that's what we would talk about is depth ranges and, uh, you know, reaction bait or, no, 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 jig, jig. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Jig, got it. Like, that's the kind of information that really did. Uh, so I'll, t- I'll tell you one quick story on that, on that front. Um, back in the day, we, we went to like Falcon. It was the one that cones yeah. one. It's the one I got the sentry belt with uh, at. So we go there, I'm flipping a D-bomb all day. There's all these mesquite trees in the water. I'm flipping D-bomb. And I, at noon, I get my first bite. It's five pounder. Put it, put it in the boat. Fish two more hours, never had another bite. I was like, I was like this lake is dead. This is, I don't know what's going on. Ish calls me. He's like, dude, I have not had a bite since I've been here. He had just made a top 10, drove down, got on the water mid-morning. It fished for like four or five hours, never had a bite. He said, I said, dude, I don't know. And so we're talking about it. And he said, man, is this place just dead? Like, did all the fish just get, you know, caught in these gill nets? Like, what? I said, I don't know, dude. And then we're talking and kind of talking this stuff thing out. And I said, dude, I got an idea. I said, if it works, I'll call you back quick. He said, all right. So I, I tied on a, uh, a missile cross, like a straight bait that we, that we made. We discontinued it since, but it's a little straight bait. Uh, but no action. First, I stood up first pitch with it. I got a bite. It's like a 14 incher. Like, oh my God. Like, that's weird. Second pitch, I had like a 12 incher. I said, dude, I hadn't had two bites all day. And I just had two bites and two flips. I made two or three pitches, nothing. I said, man, those bushes on that point of there look good. So I, I troll motor over the first bush I flipped in three pounder. Two or three bushes later, I, I lifted a five up out of there and he came off. So I called Ish back and I'm like, dude, they're on the missile crawl. He's like, what? I said, try it. I just got four bites since I've talked to you. He goes, 
are you kidding? I said, no, I just, I just lost a five. He goes, okay, well, I never heard anything from him. And, and I saw I fish basically till dark and I run around, had a number of bites. I get back to the house. It's just over there just cooking food, like no, like no big deal. And I, I come out, I walk over. I was like, so what happened? I, I, he turns to me and he looks, he goes, it was dumb. I had 20 bites. Uh, uh, he goes, that's the deal. And then like turn back around and kept, like, that was it. Like that was the, that was the deal. And we, he, he finished 12th and I finished third in that tournament. I think is what it was. So uh, uh, just when you figure that, that little, that's that kind of little nugget information I was talking about earlier. Like sometimes you don't get that nugget during the course of a tournament or practice or whatever to be able to kind of move it into a top five finish or a, even a good finish. Um, and to me, it's frustrating because I'm, you know, like we we're talking about attention to detail stuff. I'm always looking for like, is this the, is this the sign? Is this the sign? Is this, was this bite the sign? Was that fish blowing up over there? The sign, let me look. And then, you know, like, so I'm constantly being positive and thinking, I mean, maybe this was the sign and, and trying to, trying to figure out what that sign is. That's going to turn into a good tournament. How often does the sign actually become the decoy? Because I, I, I find it happening to me all the time where I'm like, yeah, this is, they're on this, look out. And then right. two hours later, I found out that uh, they were not on that. It was just one uh, dumb one. A hundred percent. It definitely does. I mean, that's, that's the balance that you've got to figure out. Was it really a sign? Whereas <laughs> you got out of the right area and you're throwing the right bait, but you just, you just moved out of the, wrong, the right area. Or was that a decoy, you know, or, you know, like what, what did that really mean? And that's what, like, that's why those, the guys that win are more stubborn there. And they, they're like, Oh, I just got out of the wrong area, right area. And so they just keep trying what they think is the deal more places possibly, you know, there's different scenarios, but, and, but for me, if I go an hour and a half without a bite, I'm changing up. I promise you, I'm going to pick something else up off my deck to, to get bit. And, uh, and that's just, that's just kind of how, I, how I go about it. How much has forward-facing sonar changed that? I mean, it feels like to me it has eliminated water so much quicker for you guys. Like literally before you'd go and let's say you're fishing buckbrush or whatever, and before you throw a bait and they're not eating that, and you try something else, try a few different things to eliminate that, and you still may get eliminated, but now it's like yeah, there's no fish in there and I'm moving along. Am I reading that right? <laughs> Um, to an extent. Yeah. That's especially uh, deeper fishing, brush piles, points, uh, things like that. You can really, you can just kind of scan them. And if you got your stuff set up properly, you can really see if there's, there's life down there or if there's not, uh, you know, you can see fish. Sometimes they're catfish. Sometimes they're, you know, big crappy, whatever, but you can see life down there versus no life. You know, there's no, there's, there's not certainty that they're, that they're bass yeah. or, you know, whatever. So I learned that uh, last year up at Lake Champlain and, and on the St. Lawrence, you get the water so clear up there. You can see some of these shallower shoals and I would scan around and I would visually look and look at my forward facing sonar. A lot of those shoals have those suckers swimming around yeah. on them. And a sucker is about the same size as a smallmouth, And it looks damn just like a smallmouth on the forward facing sonar. But if it was windy conditions, man, I, I would be throwing to beat the band to try to catch that, uh, that, that sucker and thinking it was a smallmouth. Uh, yeah. I mean, and they'll, sometimes they'll be in like little two fish groups and look like two smallmouths swimming around. 
but they're but they're not. So uh, you can be fooled by the by the forward facing sonar as well. And that's why I've I've kind of since I've really gotten acquainted with it last year, I use it for finding cover probably more than I use for actually finding the fish. Um, so I don't waste time. I scan around. I'm like, whoop, brush pile. I throw in there and then I'll look down. I'm like, is there anything in it? Let's see. Sometimes you'll throw it down and you won't see a fish in the brush pile. And then all of a sudden it goes thump and you set the hook and then you're like, oh, there, uh, now I see them. Um, so you don't always see every fish. Uh, but, you know, if I'm looking for a stump, a ditch, rock, you know, rock pile, something like that. You can find it in a, in a, you know, in a jiffy on the, on the forward facing and then make your precise, just right exact cast the first time. You don't have to throw out three times. Oh, I finally hit it. There's none of that crap. You're throwing, you're throwing right to it. The 360 sees a lot, sees everything. Yeah. And the 360 is, I think, a great complement to the forward facing sonar. So you can, you can look and you're like, oh, the rock pile is way over here to the right. You, scan your up oh, yep there it is and then you make your cast um so the, the two of those complement each other for for the way i fish all right i want to talk to you about something totally different and obviously it's something near and dear to to my heart and and i can't state this enough because i've said it a bunch of times on stage everything you do with autism awareness i mean first of all thank you uh as the father of an amazing autistic child, I thank you. But what amazes me, John, is it, you look at most people who start any charitable endeavor. Generally, it's because my brother, my sister, my kid, my partner, right. whoever, they're dealing with this, and, and that's why I did it. You obviously know a lot of people with autism now. We all do. Yep. But when you started this, I mean, you just – there wasn't like a tie in that way. Was there? I mean, when you started no. looking at this as a cause that you were going to champion. <clears throat> no. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, um, you know, some voices trying to, trying to pioneer it, but you know, Bass gives us a huge platform to, to do whatever we want to do. It's a huge media platform. And that's, that's the way I look at what Bass is. I mean, they run a, it's a great tournament organization, but it is a media organization and it gives us a platform to, make a name for ourselves to make a name for uh, companies we're associated with and, and for charitable causes. And that's the, that's the way I look at it. And, you know, just like you said, for most, for most causes, most charitable causes, people, it's the, you don't have it till you have it mentality. Um, but you know, I don't, I'm blessed that I don't have any thing directly affecting me and my family that, that I, I feel like I need to champion that cause. So, I feel like it almost gives more credibility to somebody who's not directly affected with whatever, you know, whether it's cancer or, um, or autism or anything, any cause, if you're not directly affected by it, I feel like you almost get, you know, like, it's not like, well, it's not self-serving is what it was, what I'm getting at. It's not yeah. self-serving. It's, it's really trying to use the platform for, for I feel like what it's intended for and, you know, raising money, raising awareness for, for whichever cause April is a great tie in for, for a bass angler because everybody's fishing in April and, you know, bass master traditionally, I don't, I don't know of a year we've ever not had a tournament in the month of April. You know, some, some months we have two, sometimes some years we have two, some have one, whatever, but I mean, we're always fishing in April. April's an amazing month to fish. 
pretty much no matter where you are, except for maybe, I don't know if still, the water's still a little hard up there, but. Uh, yeah, most, most spots, unfortunately. Most spots, but yeah, the rest, you know, the, the continental United States, it's, uh, it's getting, the it's getting people. good. <laughs> it's getting good. So, uh, so everybody's fishing and, and I think it's a good fun way to get people excited about fishing with a cause, so to speak, you know, and, and, uh, you know, kind of bringing it, bringing it full circle and, and, and it's ties into the national autism awareness. I just, I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah. It's, it's a great campaign and, and everything you do different stuff every year, this year, you're auctioning off a bunch of items. I know. And, uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you still have time to try it and I'll put a link in the comments and stuff down below to make sure, um, everybody can get through to that. Um, but every year is something different. And one of the things that I promised you at the event, and I've done some research here, John, I said, I would donate a dollar for each pound of fish that was weighed in at Chickamauga. There was, was three, 3,028 pounds in total that was, that was weighed in. Wow. So I'll make a donation of $3,028. Awesome. And, um, I don't think there's any way you guys can do it, but uh, if you can make sure this video gets 3,028 likes, I will double my donation. But oh I, boy, I, I highly doubt there's not that many people that would ever like us. But if they if they do, uh, I will gladly pay that. Okay, well I'll I'll accept that challenge and see if I can get as many people on my end to uh, to just to, to go like the video and uh, double up your double yeah. up your commitment. I mean the commitment you made is, is amazing. And you did happen to pick one of the events where the weight total was probably one of the heavier totals, except for maybe fork. Um, so uh, it, luckily that was the one that fell in April for, at least for the autism cause. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought it would have been bigger than that, to be honest, this chick was kind of off this time around. Do you think back to the chick thing real quick, not to leave the autism thing totally, but do you think anglers, cause we heard a lot of, humdrumming the first few days of that event and i know it wasn't easy but do you think when you go to a body of water like chick that has such a big reputation we're going to catch giants if it's anything off of what people are expecting the spiral becomes quicker like you know what i mean people start to hate on it a little quicker would you agree with that yeah when the reputation proceeds a fishery but uh but honestly uh today the, the chick I, I never caught a limit either day. Um, that's those are the first and only two days this year that I've not caught a limit. And looking at the rest of the schedule, it could be the the only two days for the whole year that I don't catch five. I don't know what Hawaii is supposed to be amazing up there at Mobridge. Um, and you know, so I would I would be surprised if I was not able to catch a limit the rest of the season. So that to me, that's that's a big tell on the number of keeper size bass that yeah. are available. Cause I, I mean, like, it's like we th- just talked about, I'm versatile. I fished a bunch of different ways. I didn't just like overcommit to one thing. Um, I was trying to catch limits and, and it was very, very hard. I don't know what the limit versus angler total was, but I bet it was the lowest it's been all season. And I bet you it will be the lowest of, of wow. the whole season. So that, you know, when you hear guys talking bad about, I mean, it's still got big fish in it. I mean, I caught a nine three on day two and it was the third biggest fish of the day. So it was not even close to the big fish of the day. There was two bigger. Um, so it, 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 it's, it is off. Uh, they do heavy restocking efforts, but 
as long as that place can can sustain a good percentage of grass, it doesn't have as much grass in it as say like Gunnersville. If if the chick will get a little bit more grass in it, it will be able to sustain the pressure and and keep producing all the fish. But I think the grass has been down a little bit, and that's I think that's why the numbers of fish are down a little bit as well. Yeah, it and I'm looking at numbers here. We had uh, I think we had uh, 61 limits on day one and 54 on day two. So those are full field days. So you're averaging kind of around around 40 people without. A, almost half the field without yeah. a limit, um, which is right. so rare. I said that when I got off stage after day one, I'm like, I don't know how many non-limits there were, but I do not remember a tournament. And honestly, that includes orange and everywhere where that many guys yep. did not get a limit. That's right. Yeah. That's I think that's just where the, the numbers of keeper size bass in that place are, are down significantly um, from, from, I think it's just from a result of the pressure that it's been getting. I don't think the fish are that much smarter. Uh, I think we did kind of hit it at a little bit of an awkward time. Yeah. Um, but but still, even at, even at that, it's it's a, it's a little off. And I think it'll come. It'll cycle back around. Uh, it's it's a really good fishery. It's got tons of good fresh water coming in it, and got a lot of flats. It'll it'll be fine. Still got a lot of bait fish. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. And, and a major reason to know it'll be fine. I was talking to some locals there. Just look at the community. There's no way that fishery won't be fine because the community continues to grow and grow and they're growing for one reason because of that body of water. You know, that's right. why there's so many more hotels and stuff. So it, 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 I don't think it's in trouble or anything, but you can't expect a fishery to always deliver, to, you know, with the amount of pressure that some of these fisheries are getting and yeah. more so in the last few years than, than ever in the past. I've seen, I've seen Gunnersville go through some down, some yeah. downturns as well. And it gets it gets absolutely pounded. I mean, Gunnersville is world famous, and Chickamauga is kind of getting to that status, and it's getting the same amount of pressure. Gunnersville is a touch bigger, and but you know, for the last handful of years, it's had way more grass. I think that something like forty to fifty percent of the of the surface area has got grass, which is the cover that they need to you know to survive and hide and get away from all the lures beating them in the head. And so that's what uh, the chick. I don't know what the chick is, but I would guess it's in the 10% range. Um, and hopefully that'll get up to, you know, 30, 40% here before too long, get, get that grass going. It'll be, it'll be fine. So how else can they support, um, your autism efforts or how do they keep up with what you're doing? Cause I think so it's awesome. This is so, the, so for the autism, it, it goes right back to, um, kind of the way I set up the, the auctions. I've got, I'm auctioning off three items, of. of uh, bull shad, bull glide, that's autism, uh, autism painted. Uh, I've got a custom crankbait, and then I've got a six-gill fishing rod that's their highest-end rod. I've actually got them all right here. I'll show you, show everybody. There's the, there's the rod, nothing, nothing fancy, but it's a $400 retail rod. And then this is the – this is uh -huh. the uh, – that's it. There you go. There you go. That's it. Um, and then – and then there's the uh, – the handmade crankbait. Uh, those are the three items that we're auctioning off and they're all going to three different charities. One's going to autism speaks, one's going to autism society of America. And then the other one's going to the Doug Flutie junior foundation. But well, I'm going to take all the total from all three of those auctions, which is currently over $800, take that. And then I'm going to make a donation in that amount to my local autism charity. So wow. if you want to do a national autism charity, those three I listed are as big as, you know, big names as they come or Google autism centers, 
near where you live, you be, might be surprised how close, and you may have multiple ones close to you, uh, but that's where a lot of the real work is done for, for helping people get treatment and helping uh, families to understand how to deal with their child that has autism. So that's where they need the most funding, in my opinion. So I, I think donating to the local level is the, is the best way to, to go if you're in doubt. Yeah, great. And, and that's one of the coolest things you did this year, asking people to tag in the local, you know, autism charities and yeah. centers and stuff. Because, I mean, there's a reason that the logo is a puzzle piece because it's puzzle pieces. Nobody is the same. Nobody gets the same relief from the same things. Exactly. But, uh, Exactly. All those little puzzle pieces help people dealing with it, put it together and and um, make autistic people with amazing minds accomplish amazing things. You know what I mean? Like some of the most yeah. amazing people in our planet are literally autistic. You know what I mean? And the, and yep. it's unharnessing some of that amazingness that gets fogged up with everything that somebody that deals with autism does. And I have also the bullshad. So we what we're going to do is after your auction's done. We'll auction this one off at the tail end Ooh. of the month. Um, so if you don't get that one, don't go anywhere. We'll, we'll see Ooh. what we can do and uh, get that auctioned off the tail end of the month. And uh, thank you, John, for doing that. Honestly, I mean, sure. uh, it, it um, and I've told you this before, it, it's, it's hard for me to talk about weirdly because like you said at the beginning, when you're, you've got somebody who's dealing with this, you kind of feel like, you know, you're, I don't know. You're beating on a drum that's too close to home. I I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just weird too. But, but one of the coolest things was when this was first started, you know, my daughter came to me and said, it feels so good to see all these people that I look up to and they're making an effort for me because I mean, up to the last number of years, autism was not a thing that got a lot of support. So thank you for, yeah, for you, what you, you do. You and I both know um, that the, the anglers, as a whole, just jumped behind this, yeah. this effort every year that we've asked them to do anything, they've, they've done it. And, uh, I know I've told you this before, but the one year we fished at Gunnersville, I think, I think Skeet won it that year. Yeah. Um, we did the flags on the light poles Yeah. and we gave them out at the, at the meeting and, when we were, when I was idling in, um, to the, to the takeoff, we were in the, uh, small boat Harbor right there by the bridge. I, I looked around and everybody had the flag on their light pole. Yeah. Like I, I got, I got emotional when I saw that. I just, I was like, Oh my God, like everybody did it. I mean, to get, a, to get all of us, all of our guys to take something and put it on their boat in a quick fashion is takes an act of Congress. That told me everybody supported the cause enough to make an effort to put it on their poles and, you know, and do it. And, and, and I, I got parked and I, I thought, I was like, Oh my God, a hundred percent of the people. Well, not a hundred percent because like, I mean, like almost rammed my boat, like pulls up next to me as I'm idling in, and it was Rick Clun, and he's like, John, I can't find my flag. He's like, in a panic, I can't find my flag. Do you have an extra one? I need to put it on my light pole. I said, uh, yeah, actually, Rick, I got, I got a few extras, sure. So I gave, I gave him one. He immediately put it on his on his pole, 
and and it was just like he was in a panic because he didn't yeah. couldn't find it and uh, and that's just that just shows the kind of support that we've had from from the from everybody uh for for our efforts it's been it's been great yeah yeah and i always say that's one of the things that makes it stand us apart from other things because a lot of things are league driven you guys as anglers you chaired it to them and the anglers have always picked up and done a great job so thank you all very much now for something completely different we started talking about poop might as well finish start talking about poop <laughs> yeah um I mean, it seems to be a pattern. Have you had any issues on the water, John, at all? Or or it doesn't have to be you. It can be about another angler if you've got a great story. Well, I um I I had a string and this was this was back in like the late two thousands, I think it was. Uh, it was before I won the, the the first tournament. Um I think I had my my record for for using the number two off the side of the boat during a tournament. I think it's uh, eight or nine tournament days in a row. That's my record for going during a tournament off the side of the boat. Nine days in a row. Correct. During tournament days, (laughs) during the tournament. So have you perfected a method or something that, I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's right off of the, uh, the console on the driver's side so that I can hold the steering wheel. I promise you, if I could ever design a bass boat. If Rick Pierce would ever let me design a, a John Cruise edition bass cat, it would have a smooth flat surface right Hold next that. to where the throttle is so that you could put your, your butt right on that and hang it off the, the, the side. And then you can hold the <laughs> steering wheel to, to be able to do it. Yeah. It's uh, that's the way to go. I mean, the bass cat's not very air, 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 nom, air, air, it's not very smooth. It's not very smooth right there. I don't know what word I was looking for. All right. Not very smooth right there, but we, uh, one of the, one of the times I have, uh, been in the, you know, been fishing bass so long, we used to have the top 12 boats. Yeah. They had a, one of the models Triton had years ago had a really smooth, like, I mean, it was the most comfortable boat I've ever gone off of. I mean, hands down. Just Um, for for defecating. It was correct. It was ama- it was amazing. I was like, this is this is my ideal piece for right next to the throttle. That that would have been perfect. That was great. It was uh, amazing. And the great thing about nature and outside is you can use baby wipes in the boat, but because like in you can't use those in a they're not flushable. Yeah. But out in nature, I'm telling you, get a thing of of, of baby <laughs> wipes. You're not going to have any finger issues poking through so you don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff the baby wipes that is the deal I'm telling you it shocks me how many people still rely on the on the ziploc bag with toilet paper in it like it really it it and even more shocking it's like at least it's baby wipes your exchange is through you know you pull a couple of baby wipes and that's mm-hmm. you're done but when people pull out the little ziploc bag and they hand you the sedlock and it's half used and you're just like so you put yeah. that back in and uh seems odd to me. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean I, I I don't I don't get that mentality. If you're not using something moist, you're not you're you're leaving the job half done. You've worked hard to make the elite series. Your butt deserves it. Right. You can't fish with the damn monkey butt, you know, the rest of the day. You know, I mean that's just that's uncomfortable. So nine Competition days in a row. Did it get to a point where you would like 
I mean, was this this was before Marshalls? So this was with uh, co anglers, I'm assuming. Correct. Yes. Yep. So did it get to a point where you were like, just so you know, the last seven dudes I've <laughs> spent a day in the water with saw this, and there's a good chance you will. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Everybody kind of reacts differently mm-hmm. to it when you're like, hey, look, it's it's getting ready to go down, and it's going to go down right here, and this is what I'm going to do. And you know, some people are like, yeah, cool. They walk to the front. They look the other way. Some people kind of like, they don't know, like, where do I go? I'm like, I don't give a, that's what you do. <laughs> Like, I, I just told you what I'm doing. I don't care what you do. And uh, it, it's just interesting to hear people uh, and see everybody's different reactions. Um, you know, like people in the uh, medical industry, like I, I drew a while back. He was a, he was a nurse. And he's like, yeah, ain't, ain't going to be nothing I ain't seen before. Like, you know, he didn't, not like he watched, but he was just no. like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. You know, um, so it's just kind of funny to get people's different takes. I drew a guy when we had co-anglers years ago, uh, it was a tournament at Lake Eufaula and, and the old cramp hit me. And I told I told him, and he, he had to be in his mid eighties. He was, he was up there. He was sitting down in the, in the seat on the back deck. And, and I told him, I said, man, it's going to go down. It's going to go down right here. And I got to, you know, he said, okay. So I'm getting ready to pull my pants down. He's telling me a story and he is literally like a foot from my face telling me this story. And I said, dude, I'm, I'm going to go off the side like you, you i don't you know whatever he's like no i want to finish my story and i don't care what you're doing he said i was in the i was in the air force for 40 years he said you know we in front of each other all the time so anyway and then he just proceeded <laughs> to kept telling me the story and i went and i did my i did my deal you know cleaned myself and i stood up and he never stopped talking the whole time looking me dead in the face just telling me that telling me finish telling me his whole story <laughs> and I, well, whatever, whatever floats your boat, buddy. I don't care. It's uh, it, it, it's uh, that's just part of it. You know, it's part of the, part of the game. I don't get that. I don't, I mean, I get uncomfortable when people talk to me at a public restroom. Like if you, you know, you know, somebody, and right. there's people who play battle shits together and they have whole conversations. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like yeah. going to the bathroom for me is a lot more work though. I feel like you've got your, situation trained <laughs> I feel like john cruz would just be like prum, prum, all right we're back to work now sometimes it sometimes it does like that but then sometimes the uh the caboose is a little slower you know what i mean so you gotta you gotta you gotta, sometimes it takes a few minutes speaking of working out i gotta ask you this because i never saw a bigger um controversy or whatever start what yeah. was that thing that I don't know if you were promoting it or you were just showing it to people, but that that tool for your back. What what is the story behind that, and how many people went nuts when you posted that? Yeah, it was it was interesting. People um, lost their minds over something they have <laughs> they no really attachment did. to, uh, literally. Uh, but it was uh, it was a device that uh, Ken Hoover, who I know you know, Ken. Yeah. Um, you know, he passed away last year, and Ken. Um, probably I think it was October time frame. called me up one day and he said, man, you need to get one of these devices. I said, okay, what is it? And he, so he explained to me what it does. Long story short, it's called the NeuroPack. And it was initially designed to help um, fighters, like soldiers, train with resistance in their actual uniforms and with 
their actual weapons and all that. They could train with that, but with resistance so that they could, you know, simulate, you know, a resistance, but through their same yeah. motion that they're going to be doing to help them, you know, uh, get combat ready quicker. Well, that's kind of where it started. Once they started getting data back from these studies, it has immense um, benefits because it, it stimulates your nervous system in a way to where it's like stimulates your basically your fast twitch muscle fibers more. Yeah. It's not anything. It's not like it's not for bodybuilders. It's for athletes. It's for people that function and do specific work. It's for volleyball players, football players, baseball players, um, food service people, uh, people, people that use their body for a certain activity. So why not use it for fishing? Um, and Ken, Ken knows that I'm a, he's a total nut about working out and and he's total nut about, um, nutrition and and all that kind of stuff. And so we had a lot of great conversations and he told me, he said, man, Adam, you know, all the 40 some years I've been doing it. This is one of the coolest, most effective things you'll ever use, John, you need it. So I said, all right, fine. So I got one, started playing around with it, had an opportunity, actually had an opportunity to, to invest into the company because it was, it's a startup company. Yeah. And, and so, and I did. So I was like, well, I'm an investor. I might as well start talking about it. So then like all I had to do was post one, one video about it. And people were like, man, these pros will do some, do anything for money. Like, dude, <laughs> actually I gave them money to, to help with their company. Um, so it just, it was, it was amusing to me how uh, people just fly off at the handle on, on the littlest things, but it's uh yeah, it's called the NeuroPack. It's the company's called 1109 Bravo. Uh, and it's a startup startup situation. And he is getting a ton of traction within the armed forces, uh, air force. He can't make enough of them for the air force. Um, wow. and now the army and, and the Marines, they're after him and want, want more. So like, he's like, I, you know, all this department of defense stuff is almost taking precedent over the, uh, over the regular, the regular retail market, uh, currently, but I mean, uh, PGA superstores, those, those huge golf stores, they want exclusive rights to it because they did their research with this, this, uh, unit and they saw the immediate difference it made on people hitting drivers, you know, clubs longer and swing speed. They want exclusive rights to it. They don't do that for just any product. Like they know it's a, they've done the research. They know it's a really good product. So it's, it's really a fascinating um, device. And I think that you'll like in the next three years, you'll see, um, you'll see hockey players, you'll see football players warming up with this device on and they'll be using it regularly in practices um, because it, it actually does stimulate in a way, nothing else that, that they can recreate does. Did you have any idea that people would go, isn't it? Like when you were posting the page, like, did you think, ah, there's going to be some hate? I didn't, I didn't know it would be to the degree it was, to be honest with you. I was just, I was thinking it would, I would post it and it would just be like, you know, whatever, the same kind of thing, like 20 people like it or something. It went nuts. Yeah. And people would call me and like, man, this is terrible. I'm like, no, this is fantastic. Like, are you kidding me? The more people comment, the more other people want to comment. And and I was like, and they're like, what they're saying a lot of negative stuff. I'm like, dude, the internet will correct itself. That's what I always say. It will correct itself. Like if I say something stupid on this, on this podcast, 
somebody will drop it down there in the comments and go, can you believe Cruz said that? He was completely <laughs> incorrect. It was 27, not 23. It, you know, whatever. It, like the internet will correct itself. Yeah. Like it will, it will be corrected. So I didn't, I wouldn't worry about it. I thought the traction and the interest in it was, was amazing. He said that he had uh, like his website traffic went through the roof uh, after I made those posts and uh, they actually had a number of people purchase them uh, right after the post. So there were enough people that were uh, interested enough and understood the concept enough to, uh, to go ahead and buy a couple. So it was, uh, it was interesting. It was cool. Yeah, no, I, I was just blown away by how crazy it got. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. that's also like my experience in social media. You'll do some things that you're like, man, people are going to go nuts for this. And they kind of, eh. And then you do other things that you're just like, yeah, this is something I've been using. And people go crazy like they did. on. Yeah, you know, you never post. know. That's why they call it viral. You never know what's what's going to go viral sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Probably not this, though. Maybe other things, but probably maybe. Well, we'll see what we can do to get you up to uh, three thousand likes. Three thousand and twenty-eight. Three thousand and twenty-eight, and I will double my donation. John Cruz, thank you for hanging out with me for a little while. I know we went all Thanks, over Dave. the place, but uh, thank you for everything you do, and uh, and thank you for being the person that you are. Yeah, man, I appreciate you, and um, think about you often. And we'll be seeing you here in a couple weeks here at. Uh, at Lake Fork, I know a place that that that's a place that we kind of got to know each other really back yeah. in the day with the TTBC and all that kind of stuff. So, I, do you feel like emotionally attached to to Lake Fork a little bit? Yeah, big time. I mean, really, that without Lake Fork, I wouldn't have this job. You know what I mean? Without uh, Lenny Francoeur and all the folks from Gulf yeah. States and and Octagon that put that event together, um, there's no way I'd have this job. And and last year when I had COVID, I missed that event, which made it even worse. Um, So I'm hoping to stay healthy and be at that event this year, but yeah, no, it's amazing to come home. Like I do really feel like you're going, I'm going home when I go there because without that event. um, And and it's also that community, you know, because the TTBC was just such a weird event to be part of because it was such a big event, but every branch of that community made it what it was. So you got to know, you know, all the local law enforcement, all the local, everybody, yeah. you know, so it, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Lake Fork and, uh, and, and making it to that one this year. I was so frustrated last year, dude, you could imagine how frustrating it would be. Like, I mean, I don't accomplish a lot in my, in my world. Like I just announced the guys who are making accomplishments. So when you have that as a living, you, you take a pride in that. And You're right. the whole, I'm watching Lee Livesey catch giant after giant. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So Lee is going to break this the all time record. And Hank, who is doing a great job filling in for me, but I've been up there for a decade and Hank is going to get this. Um, but I think it, <laughs> it was Hank and Davey were uh, tag team in that, right? Yeah. Well, Davey was supposed to, and then he couldn't either. So <laughs> Hank did it all. Um, so yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was a different one, but I plan to be there at all the events this year and uh, not, mi- not, not miss any of them. Cause that's weird for me. Weirdly enough, yeah, not being at them. That's when it really hits. Like, you know, the morning takeoff and stuff, you're just like, wow, it's not so bad to sleep in. But when you watch the way and you're like, wait a second, that's, I like doing that job. Right. That's my job, bro. Yeah. 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 People still like, win. That's a, that's how I feel watching day three and day four weigh-ins when I don't make the make the cuts. Yeah, 
I'm like, I should, I should be that. That looks like a fun tournament. I should have fished in that one. That's exactly what I say. Like, God, man, I wish I could have fished that tournament. That looked like way more fun than what I did. <laughs> well, that, the best way to be successful in a tournament is not to actually be competing in that tournament. You know that like it's, it's, it's part of fishing. Like no matter if, Anybody, people, I mean, me and Overstreet, I've seen us do it in the past when we were on the water doing coverage and we're like, man, there are so many fish around here. If we just had 10 feet of monofilament and a Sanko right now and a stick, we'd catch them. But meanwhile, yeah, we we've watched the best anglers in the world not catch them for two days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. But it makes it look so easy when you're not fishing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was easy because it was a lot of fun talking to you. John Cruz, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, man. Anytime you want to have me on, I'd be honored. All right. We'll, we'll call you back up. When you get that streak going, you need to accomplish something. Get that poop streak going. Put well, yeah, I need to eat number nine and four. That helps. That helps. Eat a big, eat a big meal. Okay. All right. I'll be checking with you at the next tournament to see how that goes. It never fails. I talked to John Cruz and immediately I feel lazy for, for not doing more. Um, but I thank you, John Cruz, for coming by the podcast and sharing with us some of your thoughts in life and uh, and everything you do for autism. And remember, 3,028 likes. If we can get this show, can get 3,028 likes, I will double my donation to autism, which is already $3,028. Because that's a dollar for every pound that was waiting. The last Elite Series event, do your part and give it a like. Even if you don't like me, you can still like this. And it'll uh, raise some money for a great, great cause. But um, thank you all for tuning in. Also, make sure to check out the links down below. John Cruz's auction still going for a few more hours. If you're listening to this on Wednesday. Got to thank the folks from Bullshad for this incredible autism paint- painted uh, Bullshad. We will be doing a... Um, auction for it once john cruises is done so we will be doing auctioning this off as well thank you for everything you do all of you for world autism you make a lot of people feel very very special and uh, i thank you for listening to this make sure you get lots of likes we'll see you uh next week and um take it away uncle bob thanks for watching please like comment and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?